We're going to be in a number of scriptures ending up over at Matthew 14, but there's no sense in turning over to Matthew 14 yet. Elmer Towns tells of a member of a motorcycle gang who converted to Jesus Christ uh, very dramatically. And the first Sunday after he got his born-again experience, he didn't know what else to do but to go to church. And so he went to church, and he came on into the church, and he walked into the you know, church that was nearby to him, and no one in the church knew him. The people all kind of stared because here comes this big, burly, bearded, long hair, black jacket, tattooed man coming down the aisle. And he sat down in the pew, and uh, as he was sitting there, you know, the worship went on, and it came to the point where they were making announcements, and the pastor of the church made the announcement, and he said, we need some help in the nursery. And no one responded. And so the second time, the man said, we, we really need some help. We need someone to volunteer to help us in the nursery today. And no one responded. Well, the man who walked into the church with the black jacket, tattoos, burly hair, he sat there and he prayed, says, God, if you want me to work, at, work in the nursery today, you just have him ask one more time. If he says a third time, does anyone need help in the nursery? All right, can anybody help? I'll volunteer. And so, sure enough, third time, can anybody please help us this morning in the nursery? And so the man with the tattoos and the bearded, big beard and the burly hair, and he stood up, raised his hand, and made his way in the direction of the nursery. At the same time, 50 mothers stood up and volunteered. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day to you all. <laughs> Isn't Mother's Day grand? It is good that we have you all here to, to celebrate this with us today. We're going to be uh, not doing anything about Mother's Day at all in the service. <laughs> After the service, we have some things going on, but here here this morning, we wanted to continue on in this in the series we have been with. We've kind of finished up this area, the path of a doubter, and you all have ought to have these principles down, but we're going to expand on this and go into another direction. Remember the path of a doubter, the common components of people who are doubters. They had hard hearts. They were resistant to the truth of the word. They denied facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves, and they doubted God's promises and his ability. The first step of the path of the doubter was they walked away of becoming critical of others. They judged their motives without talking to them. They blamed others for their own problems, dilemmas, and shortcomings. That's the third step. Fourth, justify their own actions to those not even involved. And fifth, they begin to recruit allies. Again, you don't have to follow all five steps, but some people, as they as they Begin to progress here. The first step is always you become critical of others and it begins to be a habit. And it begins to corrupt the word, the inputs from what you hear, getting you more dependent on the things that you see. And we went over all the things that were negative about the path of a doubter. But we wanted to take a look at some things here. My wife and I, as we were driving around yesterday, we were talking about some things, things that we see in the church. And as we were looking at some of the, the hindrances that are there, one of the things that came up is sometimes we just don't have a, quite a handle of what it is to believe with the heart. We're doing more believing with the head. And so I was pondering that overnight. And because uh, you know, I said, you know, it's got to be, there's got to be a way that we can tell. Am I believing with my head 
Or am I believing with my heart? Because there are many Christians who, who in fact would tell you I'm believing with my heart and are in fact believing with their head. And it's why they're not getting the things that they need to have. And so I was saying, Father God, I said, you know, I know in the spirit, in my spirit, I can tell that. But I said, there's got to be some kind of outward, something visible, just as we could with doubts in our heads and doubts in our hearts. It's real easy for us to tell that because if it's a doubt in our head, it just pops in. We can't really control that. But if it becomes a doubt in our heart, it is something that we speak, we give voice to, we say. Then we can tell it's a doubt. That is in our head. In Romans chapter 10, I want to read this whole passage to you, not just get on down to the, to the juicy ones that we usually quote from. But in verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about, about righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to say, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe where? In your heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. Well, certainly he's talking about believing in him and salvation, but does it include believing in him for other things? Wouldn't you get the idea that it's to believe in him for anything? If I believe in the Lord Jesus, if I believe in the Word of God, if I believe the promises the Father has made, will I be put to shame? No. But again, the verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be... So the salvation that God has saved is the kind of belief that we're talking about here. Belief in the heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. How many types of people are there? Two. Those who have evil in the heart and those who have good. Mark, Mark 11, 22 and 24. We've uh, read this a number of times over this series. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Where do you suppose that the belief is to be? It's in the heart because the doubt is trying to take the place of the belief in the heart. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Well, the belief needs to be in the heart. But too often we're believing with our head and not with our heart. Now, for those of you who can find the book, I'm not even sure where to tell you to get it anymore. I know we used to have some copies in here, but I'm sure that they're all long gone. E.W. Kenyon used to, to have a, a book out called The Two Kinds of Faith. 
And he, he talks about this principle in there. If I could have found my copy, I would have uh, brought some things out of it from you, but I don't know where my copy is anymore. But uh, if you have one of those or you can get a hold of those, it's a good one to review if this is a, something of question for you. So if you say this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We haven't delved into verse 24 too much yet. We will be, but not just yet. We're working on the first couple of verses here. Getting this part down. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Now, we've went over before a couple of examples in the word of people who said things with their mouth, but it didn't happen. That was Peter. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to deny you. Mm -mm, not me. Everybody else might, but not me. That didn't work out so well, did it? Israel confessed, we can go into the land. We can conquer. After God said, all right, you disobedient people, you're done. Then they decided the next day, no, we're going to go ahead and do it. And they even confessed, right? They wound up there believing, but it didn't happen. And that's where we started off with some of those things on the path of a doubt or comparing those, those folks there. But too often we are believing with our head and thinking it's belief in our heart. Now, it's real easy to tell people who are doing this who are in the area of salvation. Real easy to tell. Again, Romans was talking about faith for salvation. But people who believe in religion and not in faith for salvation are very uncertain. Well, I hope. And they'll begin to look. You look at their conversation. I'm sure you probably had some of these things. Well, I haven't done anything really bad. Have you ever heard that? From people? Well, you know, I, I mean, I haven't killed anybody. Well, I just don't think. I, 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 hope I'm, I hope I did okay. I mean, I've been going to church most of the time. And as soon as you get people that are in the area of not in belief for salvation, but religion for salvation, they immediately go to the things that they have done and hope that the things that they have done will outweigh the bad things that they have done. And if we hear that, we know that this person is not believing in their heart. They're believing in their head. And when that person comes to the place of, of dying, they're not happy. They'll cling to life because they're uncertain about where they're going to go, what's going to happen, what's going to do. Because it's religion. It's not what God promised. Paul, when he writes in the Word of God, says there is an assurance of salvation. He says, when I die, I am going to be with the Lord. He said so much so, it's better for me to, to die, but it's better for you that I live. <laughs> He's that sure. And that's, that's what he wants us to know. Jesus, when he says to the man on the cross, today you might make it. Right? What did he say? Today you will be with me. You will be with me. Didn't sound like a whole lot of question there. When Paul teaches about the resurrection, does he say, well, we hope we get resurrected bodies. Well, we're hoping that, you know, that heaven's up there waiting for us. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm going and I might prepare a ma mansion for you. What did he say? I will. I will. Salva salvation, the word of God, is about certainty. It's about knowing. So that we can face death and say, glory to God, I'm going to die. This is great news. <laughs> I'm going on to be with Jesus. Oh, so much better of a place. 
so much better a place. And that's why, you know, we've, we've, uh, I've heard somebody mention it recently, uh, a, a book that somebody had put out and they had gone on and uh, actually a real young child had gone on and, and some of the things w- went on there. And, you know, people who go on and go to heaven and God says, all right, it's not quite time yet. Get on back there. <laughs> they don't want to. Do I have to? <laughs> I like it here. It's nice. This is good. We have to get the same kind of belief that we have for salvation for the other things. If we believed in salvation the way we believe in some of the things that are going on, we would be just like religious people. Well, I hope. I hope I did enough things. Well, I know I'm I'm not perfect. But, you know, I'm not that bad. And I'm always looking at what they've done. So these are some of the clues that we have as to what these things are. I put this in your outline. As doubts in your head do not prevent you from having what you say, so too belief in your head will not bring it about. Jesus didn't say doubts in your head would be a problem. He said doubts in your heart. Doubts in your head won't stop it. Neither will faith in your head get it. Again, so too, doubts in your heart will prevent you from having what you say. Doubts in your heart will prevent you from having what you say. And belief in your heart will bring it about. The place that we wonder about this is in the heart. It's in the heart. That's where the battle is. That's what we need to, 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 to wage on. No doubts in the heart. Faith in the heart. But too often we're battling this thing in our head. Now, a number of weeks ago, I gave you a quote. I just heard somebody had say, say this, and so I put it down in your outline, or actually your bulletins, and... Um, I didn't have my book of quotes with me when I was down here today. I was, oh, this would be a good one to bring back up again because this is right in line with it. And so I did something that all you could do. I went up on the Internet. And I went on to the church website. How many know where that is? And on the church website, down along the left-hand side, there's a place that says Zoe Life Blog. Anybody ever seen that? And if you click on that little spot over there, you go to this nice blog where Miss Susan has written all these nice things up in there. And there's a record of them. And so I went over on the right-hand side where it says quotable quotes. And I clicked on that and I went right on down the list and found the one from the bulletin about uh, back in March. She had it right on up there. And I just pulled it out of there and put it right in your outline for you. So even though I didn't have my book, I still had access to it. And see, you could all do that too. Here's the quote. If the devil can keep you in the arena of reason, it's the mind, he can defeat you every time. If you keep him in the arena of faith, you will defeat him every time. Every time. I heard someone telling a story. Oh, it was a funny story. And it was his story. I can't tell it to the degree that he told it. It was funny. But I'll try and do my best. He was talking about uh, he and his family. They're out at a pool. And this huge, very, very, very large man walked into the pool area. He ended up being a linebacker for a professional football team. That should give you a picture of what this man looks like. A linebacker for a professional football team. He was very large. He described him as having muscles in places I didn't have places. (laughs) He said he was very large. And he said, if we ever got into a fight, man, I was done. This man was huge. He had Huge arms, 
massive chest and shoulders, legs thick. Oh, I mean, he just, he was a linebacker for a professional football team. And they, they uh, were in the pool, and as they were, you know, splashing around the pool, they were you know, getting out, but they, they looked out and they saw this linebacker in the pool thrashing around like he was going to drown because the man couldn't swim. And so he thought, you know what? If I ever had to get into a fight with that man, I'd just go up to him and I'd slap him in the face and I'd run and jump in the pool. <laughs> he says, because in the pool, <laughs> I can take him. <laughs> see, this is what the devil does. He tries to get you into an arena that you're not skilled in. He tries to move you into a place where you are at a disadvantage. So he slaps you over here in the area of faith and then jumps into the pool. Waiting for you to jump in there and get him. Join him on his level. But don't. If you stay in the arena of faith, you cannot lose. What did Romans say? That the man will be ashamed? No, if we believe in Him, if we have faith in God, we will not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. But the devil knows, if I can get you into head faith, I'll beat you. Because in the area of reason, I don't have to win. I just have to neutralize you. That's all. I just got to keep you in that arena. Because if all you're doing is in the mind, I win. Doesn't matter if you out-reason me. Doesn't matter if you out-argue me. I win. Because I have you in the wrong place. you got to stay in the right arena. That's why I thought this quote would be good for today. So I put that back in there for you. Alright, identify my arena. How do I know what arena I'm in? Anybody want to know the answer to that question? <laughs> How do I know where I am? Many have heard the word so much on the topic that they think they are in faith because of the word in them. Very often, we think that we are in the arena of faith because I have heard the word so much. I have heard so much about the word of God in the area of salvation. I just feel like I'm in faith on that. I have heard so much about the word of God in the area of healing. I just feel like I'm in faith on that. I have heard the word of God so much in the area of finances. I just feel like I'm in faith in that. I just feel like I'm in that arena because I've heard so much word on it. It doesn't matter how much word you have heard, you can still be in the area of the mental area, the, the, the reasoning area. We spent a whole week on that part when people reasoned. How much did Jesus like that? Not much. Well, if just hearing the word on the topic brought you in the realm of faith, the disciples should have been head and shoulders above the class, right? Now, we saw two weeks ago that they were not head and shoulders above the class. In fact, they were in pretty bad shape. They didn't do so well. We posted that up on the internet. If you didn't go up there to, see, to hear that, that's, uh, if you weren't here for that one, Resurrection Sunday, that was uh, up there for you. But we saw that they did a pretty bad job. Jesus was teaching them about some things, and they just were not getting it. In Luke chapter 8, verse 24, And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing, nurses, when they're on the boat. The storm was around them. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, who? 
the disciples, where is your faith? In other words, they're not being faith people right now, are they? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So they've heard Jesus teach. They've heard Jesus minister. And Jesus even expects them to be in a place of faith. He, he says to them, Where's your faith? Why are you waking me up? Why aren't you dealing with this? Where is your faith to take care of this thing? Why aren't you doing it? So just hearing the word on the topic does not get us there. We've got to do something more. Others think that they have heart faith because of their confession. Sometimes you come up to some Christians. How you doing? Well, my confession is where it needs to be. Well, I'm confessing the word. Well, I'm declaring what I need. Well, I'm saying what the Word of God says. They think that they're in faith because of their confession. This is the cart before the horse. The confession does not bring you to faith. Your faith brings the confession. Now, in the case of Abraham, God had, had him say, Father of many for a while. Father of many, Father of many. But you all know it didn't produce faith. He's trying to get him to, to picture this idea. You are the father of many. And he kept saying it, kept saying it, kept saying it. But he's still without a child. The child of promise. Well, we already covered Peter and Israel. They had the confession. I'm not going to deny you. We can go take the land. But that didn't work out so well. Here's the disciples in Mark chapter 9. Verse uh, 17 through 27. Then one of the crowd answered the teacher... I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and who, when it, wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. How many of y'all would think that's a problem? So I spoke to your disciples and they sh should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And, I, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. believes. What kind of belief is he talking about? Head? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So he realized, I have faith for this thing, but there is some, some unbelief in there. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he rose. Now, we've spent time on this passage before. I don't really want to get in there breaking all the details down on this thing right now, because we'll lose sight of our focus here. If this is a, a new passage to you, just let me know. We have plenty of of materials on this. We'll dig into this more for you. But I want to jump over to Matthew. Because in Matthew, we have that Jesus was approached by his disciples. Same story, just Matthew gives us a little bit more detail than Mark does. Then the disciples came to Jesus in verse 19 privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Now, if you look over to Matthew chapter 2, in Matthew, the disciples 
said, uh, well, the man who came to Jesus, he didn't even mention the spirit. He just said that he had epilepsy. Thank you. And the disciples were, it doesn't say they were trying to cast him out, just they were trying to heal him. But when they came to him later on, this is what they said, how come we couldn't cast it out? So apparently, even though he didn't come with the spirit in mind, they picked up that it was a spirit and began to cast out the spirit. Why could we not cast it out? If they were going to cast out the spirit, were they not saying, come out of him? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a, that's not a whole lot, is it? You will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. We're back on moving mountains again. He just likes us to be rearranging the landscape, I think. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Well, then we got onto this topic, you know, prayer and fasting demons come out of this thing. But the problem was not the demon. What was the problem? Unbelief. When, he, when they came to him and they said, why could we not cast it out? He didn't say because it was a prayer and fasting demon, did he? He said because of your unbelief. So when he says this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, he is speaking of the unbelief. Because that was the problem. Prayer and fasting doesn't move demons. It moves unbelief. Because of your unbelief. They didn't even realize they were in unbelief. They thought they were in faith. How many Christians are to this day thinking they're in faith, speaking to the situation that's not moving? It's not going anywhere. And Jesus would say, oh, you poor, poor deal. You've been giving your best shot. I don't know why it's not working. I mean, you've been doing everything that you should do. That's, wow. I guess this is the first case where I'll be ashamed because faith didn't work. Think that's what he's going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> because of your unbelief. Now, how many, if you've got a situation you've been speaking to and Jesus would come to you and say, because of your unbelief, would say, huh? <laughs> what? Unbelief? I stood up in front of all these people and cast out this demon spirit. And you're saying I had unbelief? But, you know, you don't argue with Jesus because he's right. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. So we have to get to a place, folks, that if the thing isn't changing, the demon isn't going, the sickness isn't going, it is because of our And so I must be in the wrong arena. I must be in the arena of mental realm, the head realm, not in the arena of the heart. Well, that's the second one. It's also possible to think that mere actions are demonstrations of hard faith. How many times have we, th have we heard people say, well, if you just act on it, then that's faith. And truly, it takes faith to act on something, but it doesn't always take hard faith to act on the thing. Sometimes you have no choice. And so you just do it. I mean, if, if the doctor came to you and said, you're going to die next week. All right, I, th I think I believe God. <laughs> you don't have a choice, do you? That doesn't mean you're automatically in heart faith. It just means, I'm going to say, I'm going to believe God. So it's also possible to think that mere actions are demonstrations of heart faith. And sometimes we look, we look at, God, look at my actions. Look at what I did. I didn't go to the doctor. But heart faith, folks, is not, not going to a doctor. I said these things. Look at what I said. Look at what I did. Look at, look at what I gave up. Look at what I stopped doing. 
Mere actions are not demonstrations of heart faith. They can be. But they're by themselves, they're not actions of heart faith. Now, I put this in your outline. This is important for you to get. It is not as much about the actions as the attitude. It is not as much about the actions as the attitude. It's not as much about the confession as it is about the attitude. You've got to be in the right arena and you've got to have the right attitude. When David approached Goliath, what was his attitude? And I hope this works. I mean, <laughs> I hope this faith stuff is, is, I hope it works. I mean, I'm coming after Goliath. Does he come, does David approach Goliath? Oh man, I hope this works. I hope I can take you out today, because if not, it's, it's not going to be a good day. What does he do? You've defied the armies of God. And you are a dead man. And I will chop your head off today. Even though I don't have a sword. When we're in the book of Daniel, when they get thrown into the fiery furnace, Hananiah or one of the guys in the group stands up and says, Our God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But even if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow. <laughs> Can you pick up an attitude? There's an attitude there, isn't it? <laughs> Bring it on, King. Bring on that fiery furnace. Come on. <laughs> when Caleb was issued part of the promised land, he was given some mountainous areas. And he said, hmm, we're going to beat those giants in those mountains. And he took him, even though he was a very old man at the time. He decided, we're going to do this. We're going to take this on. It's about attitude. And you've got to have that attitude that says, I am the victor. I will not be ashamed. It's the same attitude that you would have if someone came to you and said, you know, you're not saved. There is no heaven. When you die, you're just going to die. Maybe you get reincarnated into something else, but that's it. Mm. No, no, no. Don't be doing all that. We know what happens. And, and more and more people every day find out what happens. You know, this is the week people were celebrating the death of an enemy of the United States. He was, uh, he's dead. And, and I heard one person, they put it kind of comically. He was expecting to have 72 versions, virgins. And instead, we got 72 versions of the story. <laughs> I mean, it depends on who you talk to as to what happened out there. <laughs> uh, I don't think he got what he expected. But he can't come back and tell anybody. That's how it is. And, but all of us Christians we, that have heart faith, it doesn't matter to us how many people back up what we say. It doesn't matter if ABC or CBS or NBC or any of those other networks that have five or six viewers on them. It doesn't matter how much they tear apart Christians, how much they tear apart our faith, how much they tear apart our certainty that we're going to heaven. 
how much they tear apart the fact that, well, they believe there's only one way. Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. That's the attitude that you have to have. Because if somebody comes and attacks your faith, you just calmly sit. You don't get into all reasoning and, and arguing. You just calmly say, well, we'll find out. <laughs> but I know where I'm going. I know what happens when I die. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of death. Don't know about you. <laughs> but I'm actually looking forward to it. And they may put you down again and say all manner of evil about you. And you're just calmly going to sit there and say, well, it's okay with me. Right? There's a difference that's there. But how is it we don't have that same attitude when the doctor comes to you and says, well, you're going to die. Well, the Word of God says I'm healed. Well, that might, <laughs> that might be, but you're going to die. <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> this is it. It's over. You're going to suffer from that the rest of your life. You'll never get healed of that. You'll never get over that. No, no, this is the way it's going to be. I've told you the story before. My grandfather had a disease that no one has survived from. And when he survived it, they said he didn't have it. <laughs> but he said he had it. ALS. He survived it. He lived on. He had polio when he was younger. He survived that. He survived ALS. And went on and he would be, we would be up there on ladders. We would get up there on the roof and tar the roof together. He cut down a tree in his backyard. <laughs> he would till up a garden. And they would say he couldn't even walk again. You just, you just tell, you didn't tell this man, you didn't, you can't do it. You didn't tell him that. He had an attitude. And uh, when he fought ALS, I wasn't uh, around to have all the memories of it, but I've been told some of the stuff, and I saw that attitude in him all through his life. The attitude's in my mom, attitude's in my dad. You're going to fight the thing. It's not going to take you. That's what you've got to do. You've got to fight it. You have an attitude towards it. You've got to get to that place where you say, you are not taking me down. This is my turf. We are fighting on my realm, and we are staying in the area of the heart faith. I'm not getting into reasonings. Because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you into, well, are you sure this is the only way? Are you sure God is the only I mean, There might be some other ways. I mean, the Bible is a good book, but there are some other good books out there. Jesus was a good man, but there are some other good men that are out there. No, no, no. Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross for my sins whose sacrifice puts me in heaven. And he can put you in heaven too if you let him. But otherwise, it's not good for you. It's not good. And we're just confident in that. We've got to have the same confidence in the other area. Because we have heart faith for salvation. But we've got head faith for too many other things. And we think it's heart faith because we've got so much word. Or because we've got the confession down. Or because we've acted in certain ways. Uh-uh. It's not as much about the actions as the attitude. All right, I promised we would get over to Matthew chapter 14. There are a number of examples you could look at here in the Word of God. This one, we've, we've covered this story a number of times in the past, and we're just going to cover it again. We don't have to go over all the details. We've covered the details on it enough. We want to look at the, uh, what's going on here for this, this area. 
heart faith, head faith. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went out to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. <laughs> now, how many of you all in the middle of the storm that has, has fishermen battling this thing in the middle of the sea, are you going to get out of the boat? I mean, the boat's bad enough. Out of the boat, this is not good. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Did he walk on the water? Yeah. You can't sink unless you walked in the water. Otherwise, you just splashed. Right? This is, when we get out, typically, when we get out of the boat, what happens? Splash. That's it. He didn't. He sank. That's not normal. People don't sink in water. People splash in water. That's what they do. <laughs> he sank. So he had to be walking and then began to sink down. And now that's an unusual thing because we've, we've never sank in the water. I don't know what, what is that like to be on the water and then just kind of sink in the water. That are, that's unusual. Because we just usually go shoop, <laughs> right through. Not sinking. I mean, just picture it this way. The next time that you're by a pool, I want you to get on the diving board. I want you to get down off the boat, so to speak. And when, as soon as your feet hit the water, I want you to cry out for help. And see how far you get. <laughs> but he cried out for help. Lord, save me. See if you can get all that out. Lord, save me. <laughs> and still have a hand up in the air for him to grab hold of. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So, Peter walked on the water. Can you walk on the water with head faith? You cannot walk on the water with head faith. He had to have started off with heart faith. But when he was sinking and Jesus said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What did he do? Doubted in his heart. Because he sank. He sank, didn't he? He was, he was up there. Then he sank. He said, don't, don't doubt in your heart. Don't matter if you doubt in your head. Don't matter if in your head you're thinking, man, I, I shouldn't be able to do this, but I'm doing it. <laughs> Look at me walking on the water. <laughs> but somehow he doubted in his, in his heart because of what he saw. He saw the boisterous wind. Probably even looked at, saw the waves around. People don't walk on waves. Maybe he began to think, this shouldn't be happening. And can you see how he was taken out of the area of faith and brought into the realm of reason and doubt? He's reasoning in his head. Look at the wind. 
Look at the waves. Um, I shouldn't be walking on water. Look at those waves. Look at the, how the sea. He's beginning to reason all these things out and he begins to sink down. He started out walking, but now he's sinking. And he thought I was in bad shape on the boat. Now he's in the water. And this isn't good. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And so he pulls them up. You know, they get in the boat. And when they're in the boat, Jesus is dry. Peter's not. Now, if Jesus was like most of us, we'd go, ha ha. <laughs> I didn't get wet, Peter. <laughs> what happened to you? But he probably didn't do that. He's a, he's a bigger man than we are. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, understand when he says you of little faith, he's not putting him down. Because remember what we just read in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say that this mountain move from here to there. If you have faith as a what? Is that not a little faith? You will, you'll move mountains with that little bit of faith. So he's saying you have little faith. You had little faith. You had some faith. You had some faith. You had something to work with. Why did you doubt? He didn't say, why did you get more faith? He didn't focus on the amount of faith except to say, you have a little faith. Little faith, you're walking on water. Why did you doubt? Luke 17, 5-6, and the apostle said to him, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say that this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. See, he just loves to redecorate. He just likes to move stuff. We should be, maybe that's why when I was younger, I was, I was drawn to have these fish. Uh, they're called Oscars. Anybody ever had Oscars? Oscars are notorious for redoing the fish tank. And the bigger they get, the more they redecorate. You may want the fish tank to be in a certain way, but if you have Oscars, it will not be that way long. They will change it. And they may change it every day. They will move the rocks. You do not have live plants in there because they will chew them up. They will spit them out. They will dig them up. They will move them. And the poor plant can't get roots and it will die. They will move a pile of gravel from here over to here. Just for fun. And then move the pile back from here over to there. They got large mouths and they go in there and just scoop up gravel and they move it over. They have fins and they can just bat a fin and move stuff. They just are not content. Other fish you can get and you can, you know, make all nice little decorated things with colored gravel and stuff. Not Oscars. They will mix it all up. That's just how they do things. They are, they're fun fish. I'm told they're the second most intelligent freshwater fish out there. I didn't measure it myself, but I've been told that. But, I mean, they were fascinating. We used to go down to the, to the creek and we would catch the uh, crayfish, crawdads, whatever you call them. I called them crayfish, some of my friends called them crawdads. And we would get these things, and you know, because you have to feed Oscars live food. And so we would take these little crayfish, and we'd put them in there, and the crayfish would see the Oscar coming, and we'd get all the claws up, and he would be ready to you know, take this Oscar on. The Oscar would come up and just look at it and go, <laughs> and just suck them right in, and chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> that was it. And goldfish didn't stand a chance. They could swim up to the goldfish and the goldfish might try and swim away, but they would open their mouth and cause such a current that goldfish just got sucked right in. They just move stuff. God wants you to be like an Oscar and move stuff. Don't be satisfied with how they've arranged the fish tank. 
They would move rocks. I don't know how they did it. They would move rocks bigger than they were. And you really had to be careful with what kind of rocks you put in there because if they moved a especially large rock, it may crack the tank. This is just the way these fish are. And they can get big. We had, uh, I used to work at a pet store and we had one guy, he came in every single day to buy goldfish for his two full-grown Oscars. Every day he came in and bought 36 goldfish for two Oscars. That was their meal. They munched them down. Move stuff around. Moving mulberry trees, moving mountains here in Matthew 17, moving mountains, other mountains in Mark chapter 11. He wants you to move stuff. He wants you to get things out of your way. He wants you to redecorate. You don't like that rock over there, that, that uh, uh, mountain of gravel over there? Move it. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say that this mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. How many mulberry trees have you seen planted in the sea? Apparently, no one has spoken to it yet. So why did he do that? Verse 30, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. So when he saw... You see, what the devil wants to do, he wants to get you out of the realm of faith and get you into the realm of, the, of seeing. That's why we spend so much time on the path of a doubter, how it corrupts what you hear and corrupts what you see. He wants you to depend on the things that you see, whereas God doesn't want you to depend on seeing anything natural. He wants you to get you off that. When Jesus was resurre resurrected and Thomas said, unless I see the nail print, unless I see the side, put my hand in the hole, I won't believe. And so then Jesus presented himself and said, Thomas, behold, my hand and my side. And he just said, Lord, I believe. Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are they who believe and have not seen. That's where we need to be in our area of faith. What he saw, he saw the wind, how boisterous it was. And he became afraid. Wasn't afraid when he jumped in the water. Afraid people don't do that. Afraid people stay in the boat and hang on to something. So what he saw and his fear. That's what started to pull him into the realm of doubt. That's what started pulling him out. But this, this is the guy that we can learn some things from. Now, the woman with the issue of blood, when she came up to Jesus, she didn't say, well, no doctor gives me a chance. I don't know. I'll just give it a shot. Let me see what happens if I touch the hem of his garment. Maybe I might be healed. Never can tell. I might be healed. Is that what she said? No, what she did was she cast aside all the things the doctor said that she can't be healed. Going to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, cast it all aside and went after Jesus. And she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. And the Greek actually tells us she kept saying it. I know it. I know it. She probably ran into a couple of relatives. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to see Jesus. Because I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be whole. Oh, come on. You know, how many times have you put faith in doctors? How many times have you put faith in these things? I don't want to see your faith dashing. No, no, no. I know. If I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. I know it. Well, how are you going to get there? I don't know. But I'm going to get there. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. But the crowd would never let you in. He's a rabbi. You can't touch him as an unclean woman. I, I, I'm going to do it. 
Somehow, I'm going to get in. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. When I do, I know I shall be made whole. It's going to be done. She kept saying that to herself. And when she touched him, power went out. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? I not, somebody touched me. Well, of course people touched you. Look at all the people around. No, no, no. Somebody touched me and healing power went out. Who did it? And when the woman, when she saw that she couldn't be hid, she came and she told him the whole story. <laughs> the whole story. Twelve years of the story. The whole story. And after she got done telling the whole story, then we saw that the people came over to Jairus and said, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Wouldn't let him talk. Wouldn't let him talk. Now, at that point, Jairus is not in a place where he is necessarily believing that Jesus is going to come and raise up his little daughter, is he? But what does he try and do? Don't be afraid. Don't utter anything out of your mouth right now. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Stay in the arena of faith. Don't get pulled over in the other arena. Don't, we can't have victory there. Here we can have victory. Don't get pulled in. Stay in the arena of faith. Stay that way. Well, when our faith is right, and I put in parentheses there for you, heart faith, our confession is what is promised. When our faith is right, when I'm in heart faith, folks, my confession is what is promised to me. I know when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. For Peter, I know if I jump off this boat, I can walk in the water. Because Jesus said, Jesus said, come on. That's what he said. The Israelites, I know we can take this land because Jesus said it. Just like Joshua and Caleb, we can more than take this land. David with Goliath, you're a dead man. I'm going to come over there and cut your head off. When our faith is right, our confession is what is promised. Now, I want you to look very carefully at your outline right now. I want everybody's eyes down on your outline. You just filled in when our faith is right, heart faith, our confession is what is promised. What is after the word promised? Look very closely. Period. Period. There is, that's it. Period means it's over. That's it. That's the end of the sentence. Period. What our, when our faith is right, our confession is what is promised, period. That's it. When our faith is right. When it's hard faith. Look at your confession for salvation. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Are you saved? Oh, yeah. Has Jesus forgiven you of your sins? He certainly has. Is the Bible true? It surely is. What's at the end of each of those statements? A period. That's it. Because we're in heart faith on those things. I believe it. That's it. I don't have to add anything to it, do I? Now, when our faith isn't right, head faith, our confession is what is promised and or <laughs> what, number one, is seen. How does that work? Well, I know that God promised that all my finances will be taken care of, but I got this bill due. Right? Oh, it's, it's, we, we, we state what is promised. There's our confession. But, now let's, let's go back to the uh, woman with the issue of blood. Let's, let's, let's put her into the other area of faith. Where are you going today? I'm going down to see Jesus because if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. You know, as, as long as I can get near him. As long as it's God's will. As long as the power is turned on today. 
as long as you know he wants to. But she doesn't do any of that, does she? It's not based on what is seen. It's not based on what is seen like Peter. When he saw the wind, he became fearful. Because there's things that you can see. There's medical reports. There's bills. There's things in the paper that you could read. There's articles that come up on your internet. There's all kinds of stuff that can produce fear and doubt. I mean, two weeks ago, they were, they were promoting stories, $6 a gallon gasoline. What does that do for you? You see, if you get into what's, what's seen, we begin to alter. Well, I can't do all these things. I can't do this and I can't do that because I can't pay for $6 a gallon gasoline. What should you be saying? Father God, if death goes up to $6, I thank you. You'll take care of me. I'll get to go all the places I need to get to. I'll be able to do all the things you want me to do. I don't care what the price of gasoline is. Thank you, Father, for answering your word and helping me out. But what will we do instead? Oh, $6. I mean, if it goes up to $6, oh, how much is it going to cost me this much to go to work? That means I'm going to be making this much money. And I go to the grocery store, it's going to cost me this much. And oh, and then to, to, to go to church, well, that's going. And, you know, we can't go out to the mall anymore and, and, oh, we can't go just go for a drive and go down the shore this year? Oh, we can't do that. Uh-uh. What am I doing? Coming anxious? Worrying? Being concerned? Am I supposed to do those kind of things? Doesn't the Word of God say, be anxious for nothing except for $6 a gallon gasoline? <laughs> Isn't that what it says? <laughs> now, be anxious for? But, every, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. So what do you say about $6 a gallon gasoline? <laughs> Father God, if it goes up to $6, glory to God, I'm getting a raise. <laughs> I'm getting a raise to take care of it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is good. That's because my faith is right. It's heart faith. I don't get pulled up in the area of reason. Because see, this is what the devil wants to get me to do. Begin to reason out. Well, $6 a gallon gasoline, you're paying $3.50 now. That's going to be an increase of, because you're putting out, you know, uh, $20 a week on gas. That's going to mean it's going to be about $40 in gas instead of that. And, and, uh, and you know, they had that article in there. They're talking about putting that little chip in your car so they can pay for the extra tax when you go up to your service. That's, uh, that went through the Congress. I don't know if you know about that, but they actually proposed it. <laughs> then they all came out and said, oh, it's just a draft. Not real serious about it, just a draft. <laughs> um, but we see we can get all nervous and concerned and worried and fretful and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and you know, you look at some of the people that are out there, by comparison, you have nothing to be fretful about. Those guys who do the over-the-road trucks, and they're putting out, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars a day on gas. Now imagine that doubling. Diesel, actually, for them, but. Imagine that, Dublin. Boy, it makes your little $20 thing seem like nothing, huh? I told you my truck, I can't fill it up anymore at most gas stations unless I'm only halfway full. They just, they have a limit. Can't get there. And we got to drive, you know, for, you know, for, for the job I, with making the bunk beds, I got to do, I got to put a lot of miles on. That's a lot of gas. We drove around yesterday driving things around. 70 bucks worth of gas we, we burned off. In a day. Glory to God. We'll be fine. I don't get fretful. I don't get worried. 
Don't you, don't you get fretful. Because what he wants to do is he wants to pull you into the arena where he is strong and you are weak. Does the Word of God say to fret about those things? It says not to. All right, let's go on with this. When our faith isn't right, our confession is what is promised and or what is felt. Here's how that confession goes. Well, the Word of God says that I am prosperous and I'm in good health, but I don't know. It's, you know the flu is going around and I always seem to get it. just feel like I'm catching something. What does God say about your emotional state? says we have a right mind. We have the mind of God. We have the mind of Christ. And yet we want to, well, I just don't feel right today. I just feel sad. I just feel unhappy. I just feel uncertain. I just don't know. I just, well, I know that the Word of God has promised me to have a sound mind, but I just don't feel very sound. So we, take, we confess the right thing, but then we mix it in. We mix in something else. When our faith isn't right, our confession is what is promised and what has happened in the past. Well, thank God that I'm healed. But you know, I almost died of this two years ago. But you know, this happened before. But you know, this has been going on. I know that the Word of God has promised this, but this has been going on. This has been happening. This is the way it has been. When our faith is right, our confession is what is promised what? Period. Thank you. Period. That's it. What is promised? What's God promised? When David goes out to Goliath, he doesn't go out and say, You're a dead man, unless, of course, you kill me. Then, you know, uh... <laughs> the, the Hebrew guys, they don't go out to the king and say, Our God is well able to deliver you, us from that fiery furnace unless you heat it up seven times hotter. They don't do any of that. No. They don't go up to him and say, our God is well able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. At least we hope so. He's never done it before. We've not heard of this happening before, but you know we, we think he can do it. What has happened in the past? Hey, but what others say? When we have what is confessed, what is, what is promised, and then what others say? How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing okay. But I'm blessed by the Word of God. But did you hear what the newspaper said? Did you hear what prophet so-and-so said? Oh, man. Did you hear what the doctor said about me today? Well, I have the right confession. Oh, glory to God. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. But the economy, did you hear what's happened in the economy? More people lost their jobs. There's no period there, is there? Yeah, we're going to mix in what other people say. When our faith isn't right, our confession is what is promised and what I fear. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I just hope it doesn't thunderstorm. I hate thunderstorms. Oh, they scare me so much. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, but I sure hope those tornadoes that were down south don't come up our way. Oh, I don't like the tornadoes scare me. Our faith is right, folks, when we say what is promised, and that's it. And our mind doesn't finish it off. Because when, you, when someone questions you in the area of salvation, does your mind finish it off? Oh, yes, I'm saved. I hope so. We don't do that in our mind, do we? We don't, people have to say, are you sure there's a mansion waiting for you in heaven? Oh, I know there is. 
At least I hope so. We don't do those kind of things in our mind, do we? Because we believe them with our heart. And that's what we need to do with the things that God has promised. There is a difference between believing with your heart and believing with your head. If you don't get out of the belief of the head, get into the belief of the heart, you will lose. The devil knows you will lose this battle. And so he pulls you in on this battle. They want to get you off of that arena. There's an area where you are strong. Sports teams like to have home games in their arena with their fans. Every year we used to go, uh, when I was at college, our team used to go to the uh, nationals, uh, the national um, meet that they would have for cross-country Christian colleges. And it was always held over in Ohio. And the place they held in Ohio was flat. There were no hills. But our terrain on our course was hilly. It was excessively hilly. We trained on hills. And we will often say, because most, time, most times we went out there, we came in second or third. And most times we would also come back and say, run this on our course and see who wins. Run this on our territory. Because we're used to hills. You guys will wimp out on hills. But we're used to them. Run the race where God intended. The battle is in the area of the heart. Don't fight it in the head. As long as the devil can get you to think, well, are you in faith or in doubt and the battle's all in your head, it doesn't matter which side you come out on because you lose. Faith in the head won't produce anything. It's faith in your heart. And there's a difference on that. So we're going to spend some time making sure that we understand what is the difference? How can I know that difference? How can I make sure that I get out of it? How can I make sure that I say what the promise of God is, period? And I don't feel like I have to elaborate anymore. I don't have to add anything else onto it. This is what God promised. And it's mine. Goliath, you're a dead man. Canaan, you're ours. The blessings of God, they belong to me. Salvation is mine. Forgiveness is mine. Healing is mine. God helping me in my finances, it's mine. The wisdom of God, it's mine. Understanding the Word of God, it's mine. Wisdom in this world's affairs, it's mine. Whatever it is that I need, it is mine. Period. We've got to get out of the mental realm. And get into the heart realm. Believe it with our heart. Don't doubt it with your heart. But believe it with your heart. Brother Bruce, we're going to need some ministry music. I know one person who wanted prayer here today. We have another person who wanted prayer. They're not here. We want to, uh, to, to pray for them. And then we have a testimony as well. But uh, Charles Jars, need a prayer? Born again, you said, believing God for their healing? All right. We can, we can join our faith with, with him. Lord, would you all stand up with me? Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need, get in the realm of faith in the heart. Get out of the realm of faith in the head. You don't need to be there. You will lose there. 
you will lose. Keep the devil in the arena of faith in the heart and you will win every time. That's your home turf. That's your home court advantage. This is where God wants you to be. But the devil is trying to pull you into the pool. Get you into a place where you don't function as well. Where all those muscles, all that strength, all that might is reduced to nothing. No, don't do that. Stay in the realm of faith. Stay in that realm. Amen. Well, my wife wanted me to lay hands on her for, for a situation she has, a healing situation she has. You can join our faith with that. Bruce, you ready? All right, let's pray together. Now, if you're out there and you think, you know, sometimes we get done teaching these things, my expectation is that it likes something in you. Where all of a sudden the light turns on. Oh, wow. Yes. It does not take days to go from faith in your head to faith in your heart. How long did it take Peter to go from faith in his heart to faith in his head? <laughs> it wasn't long, was it? And it won't take long to get going the other way either. You could come into service with faith in your head and the Word of God open up, Spirit of God show you some things and leave with faith in your heart. And you may get to the point you say, I am ready for hands to be laid on me now. Don't leave church without asking. And don't sit there and wait while somebody, they come up to me and ask me to pray. No, there's no place in the Word of God, no place at all where Jesus went up. Can I pray for you for that? Where disciples, can I pray for you for that? They got people into a place of expectation. Or else they just moved with compassion. Jesus a couple of times moved with compassion and got some people out of a coffin. But if you want something from God, the Word of God says, ask. That's all I got to do. Ask. My expectation every Sunday is that the Word of God ignites on the inside of you in a place where you saw, I was in the wrong area of faith. I believe this now. Lay hands on me. That's mine. Period. Lay hands on me. It's done. You need to be get saved? It's mine. Today. Now. <laughs> you need to get healed? Set free? It's yours now. Today. Just believe. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A belief of the heart. As long as you stay in that arena, there is nothing that's impossible to you. If you stay in the arena of belief in the heart, you can move mountains. You can plant mulberry trees in the ocean. It don't matter. You can do it. If you stay in the arena of faith in the heart. Get into the arena of faith in the head. Reasoning nothing. can't reason out your salvation. But you can have whatever you say. What does that mean? Whatever you say. What does that include? Whatever you say. But I'm facing whatever you say. But no one's ever been whatever you say. Whatever you say. You have faith for it? Sure. Where do you get faith for it? In the Word. That the Word of God ministers to you. Have faith for that thing. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you. No cancer is too much for you. No situation is too much for you. So we just speak right now to this situation with Charles. 
In the name of Jesus, Father, we join our faith with His. Cancer, you cannot be in that body anymore. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we command that you leave. Cancer, you just die. Right now, you cannot take over that body. Spread in that body. In the name of Jesus, your work is ceased from this time forward. You are done. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Glory to God. 